We are believers. Amen? Is that what Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, I think it was? He says, he said unto us, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Somebody's got an all things that's not yet been possible to you. There's something that's still out there you're reaching for. There's something that is still not manifest. What you need to do is believe. Hallelujah. Because all things are possible to him that believeth. Praise the Lord. I want us to believe so that we can receive the gift of uh, the gifts that God has for us, the covenants that God has for us. Do you know God loves you more than you love yourself? While you were selfish and doing stupid stuff, he was, he'd made a plan for your success. While you were dumbing it down, he was smartening things up. Hallelujah. While you were going down the path of destruction, he was planning a, a bridge and a way of escape to get you out of the pit and get you up on a rock. Hallelujah. That's higher than oh, anything the enemy ever throwed against you and to get you established in himself. The Bible tells us that as we study all of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, that no man, no man born of Adam was able to honor, fulfill, and keep every law. And we'd all fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible tells us God was not going to leave us in that state. That while the whole Old Testament showed us what the righteousness of God demanded that man could not fulfill it and man could not keep enough laws and do enough good in order to promote themselves as righteous before the Lord, that we had to fall on our faces and fall on our knees and we had to cry out with a humble heart that said, God, if you don't provide a Savior, we are doomed, damned, and hell is our eternity. The whole Old Testament was to drive us to our knees. The Dark Ages was to cause us to call out and say, God, you promised a Savior. You promised a Messiah. You promised a Deliverer. You promised one that could do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And when He came among us, there were those that were still bogged down and Jesus addressed them as the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. They were still bound down to trying to keep the law and trying to earn the favor of God and trying to earn a position of righteousness. And Jesus said, do you not get it? Do you not see that you in your own effort can never do it? If you could, there was no reason for me to come. So Jesus came. And let me tell you what, He provided for you and He provided for me what we could never have earned on our own. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that when He came, He came with the mission to establish, negotiate, set up a new covenant, which is a better covenant for those who believe. And this covenant could not be written with the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and doves as the old covenant had, which all of that was just a foreshadowing. All of that was just pointing to types and shadows that was saying there's a lamb coming that is spotless. And that lamb had to bypass the Adamic uh, seed line 
because the sin was passed through Adam's seed so that he could be born with a chance to redeem us. But even though he was born without the Adamic sin nature like all of us were born with, Jesus had to prove himself. He had to do what no man before him was able to do. He had to live 33 and a half years and fulfill the law and its requirement of living, and he did it without sin, the Bible says. So that when his blood was shed, so when Hebrews says he came and negotiated a better covenant, he did it by saying no to the devil and yes to his father, by saying no to sin and yes to righteousness, by turning his back on the works of darkness as he turned his face to the works of light to fulfill the purpose and destiny that his father had sent him to do. And Jesus negotiated 33 and a half years of saying, I will turn my back on sin, I will say no to this temptation, so that those that had been caught up in temptation could be set free. So that those that would ushered in the works of unrighteousness that were dominating their lives can be set free and the works of righteousness can begin to manifest. So his negotiations was not sitting at a table going back and forth. It was living the life. It was walking the path. It was saying no to the devil and no to his flesh and yes to his father and yes to righteousness. And he negotiated it to the point that when he shed his blood, nailed to a cross after being whipped and beaten and thorns upon his head and the flesh ripped off of his back with the cat of nine tails, he hung on a cross. He, that's the negotiation. That's how far He's going so that you and I can take advantage of and have what we have today. He's negotiating a better covenant. He says, I believe in this so much, I'll lay my life down. But if I lay my life down, the one who has the power to lay his life down, I'll take it up again on the third day. Hallelujah! He negotiated with his own flesh, with his own blood, with the ripping of the flesh, the ripping of the muscle, the ripping of the skin, the ripping of the tissue off of it. He allowed that because that was part of the negotiation. He allowed that crown of thorns upon his head because that was part of the negotiation. And part of that negotiation was in the garden when he said, Not my will, Father, but thy will be done. And he began to sweat great drops of blood because of the pressure of the negotiation. Let me tell you what he let them nail. They didn't hold his hand down with him screaming. He laid out his hand because that was part of the negotiation. He, he didn't fight them with his feet. He put his feet in position because that was part of the negotiation. Let me tell you what he said. I came to negotiate a better covenant for you, written not with the blood of animals, but with the Son of the living God. And he did this for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. Now, what we have to do, which is amazing. We still want to do like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, and we want to go out there and make our own checklist, and we want to do all this righteous stuff and do everything right, and then say, look, God, look what I've done. Look how good I've been. Look how good I've been. Don't I deserve it? He says, as much as you've been doing good, there's, there's some bad there. There's some neglect there. And the old covenant says, if you break it in one part, you've destroyed, you've broken all of it. Excuse me. So if you've broken all of it, so he says, I can't use that. And there's people living today in the Christian community, maybe sitting here or tuning in to this very service, who have lost your confidence or never attained your confidence in the Word of God and in your position as a child of God. 
The accuser of the brethren has pointed out your flaws. The accuser of the brethren has pointed out your neglect. The accuser of the brethren has pointed out when you made a promise and didn't keep the promise. The accuser of the brethren has pointed out when you should have done good and you didn't do good. To you that was sin. The, the devil is sure to keep you notified of your pathetic position. Because he knows if you have no confidence, you will not believe and be the man or woman of faith to appropriate all that Jesus has provided. So your bank account is packed full, paid in full by the atoning work of Jesus Christ, and you feel like a thief when you walk in the bank asking for a $10 withdrawal. You feel like a thief when there is an unlimited supply and the devil keeps you with that mindset. I'm here to point the devil out. I am here to show him for who he is and to expose his lies so that you and I can be truly... When Jesus said, I came to set the blind free, I mean, uh, the bond, those in bondage free and the prisoner free, but also give sight to the blind. We've been walking with blinders on our eyes. We have a covenant with God. It's better than any covenant of the Old Testament. It is given to us by a better high priest who is Jesus the Christ. It is written with better blood, the blood, the sinless blood of the Lamb of God. And it is a better covenant built upon better promises, the writer of the Hebrews tells us. But we don't believe it. But I'm here to tell you I'm coming against the unbelief. And I'm shining the light so we will believe and we will receive. Yeah. Romans 5 and 17, as we continue this morning in this series of our covenant of righteousness, the reason in this uh, focus on covenants, we're looking at the covenant of righteousness because uh, it seems to be premier in God's mind. And I'll, I'll point that out in just a minute. But when we come to this covenant and all covenants that Jesus gives to us, we have to understand that they are a gift. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can buy. It, they are a gift. He says in Romans 5 and 17, For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Speaking of the first Adam. If what he did brought us in to a covenant situation where by works uh, we could not attain our righteousness... Look what he says, and it's the same heart as you read in Hebrews with us having a better covenant with a better high priest, with better blood, on better promises. He says, how much more, how much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. If Adam did all of this, and you got enough faith to believe that you're dirty, filthy rags and you're, you're worthless and you're a piece of junk. Okay, you can believe that. He said, how much more should you believe what Jesus has ushered in for you, which is an abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness? So we have to understand as we approach the gifts of righteousness or we approach the covenant of righteousness and any covenant of grace that God has for us, that they are a gift. They are a gift. Say righteousness is a gift. Okay. So how do you receive the gift? I just found a gift 
that I didn't realize I had gotten. And as I'm looking through some things that had got packed away, there was a gift. It was valuable. It was for me. But I didn't get the benefit of it because I didn't realize I had it. I had to unpack it. And I'm here to help you unpack the gift of righteousness that God has got given to you and to use it, to appropriate it. So he tells us right in the Scripture, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he tells us exactly how to receive the gift. He says, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So to, in order for us to receive the gift of righteousness, for us to receive our covenant of righteousness and all of its benefits, we have to see it as a gift. And we have to believe in the heart. Now let me tell you what, it's easy to start believing or to start the conversation about faith in the head. That's where we have to start. But we cannot leave it in the head alone. When I was 17 years old, and I was on an altar over on this side. It's funny, I still sit on this side. That's the side I got saved on. Not that there's anything to that. You guys sitting over here, this side just is powerful. Let's don't get mysterious on us. Okay, okay. But, but I, got, I was over this side, and I was praying, and I was 17, and, and I was a typical 17-year-old. I mean, I, there was nothing different about me, but the Lord spoke to me, and He said, if you'll keep yourself pure until you're 30, I'll give you the wife I created for you. Now, that made no sense between the ears because for a 17-year-old who was in his prime, thinking 13 years, 13 years, 13 years, I'm sitting there in my mind negotiating with the Lord. This, that's a long time. God, I don't know if you've done the numbers or not, but we're not saying 20. You said 30, right? And that's 13 years. I don't know if you realize that or not. Now, here's the one that created the timetable, who created the Kronos and the Kairos, and I'm co communicating as though I'm schooling him. <laughs> How foolish of me. And uh, so, in those 13 years, that's why I got into school. He said, study and show yourself approved. And I got into school when the bachelor's over. I went on into the master's, and the master's over, went on to the doctoral program, because I'm just trying to stay busy and keep myself focused, waiting till 30. And in my mind, when you've gone to 29, in your mind, it's hard for you to reason and rationalize how this is going to happen. I'm here, I'm pastoring this church I'd started three years I'm into here at Christian Embassy, and, and we have a, you know, a smaller congregation, and it's like I'm stuck here every Sunday and every Wednesday, and, and with school, I mean, how am I going to meet a girl? Where am I going to meet her at? I was in a, a, a master's program at that time. It was mostly older people in the master's program, not many single people. So it was like this, I, I can't figure out how it's going to happen. But I knew I'd heard God. So I had to keep going back to what I knew in my mind, and I had to confess it. I had to talk to myself. I had to, to massage it and get it back in my heart. Because when it got out of my heart and I got to where I was doubting, will this thing ever happen? I don't know how you're going to do it. I had to get out of that. Because as much as you can talk yourself out of faith, you can talk yourself into faith. If you can talk yourself out of believing, you can talk yourself into believing. But you need to believe the right thing. You can believe that there's a side squat. You can believe that there are uh, UFOs. You can believe a lot of things that maybe there is not. So you've you got to be careful what you believe. You want to believe the truth. And God's Word reveals the truth. It is the truth. Amen? So it starts in the head where we believe in, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. We get it into our head, 
But we have to, we have to work with it. We have to work with it. Don't think that, that Pastor Tim's got any uh, uh, belief dust that I can just dust you with and you leave out of here believing. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. Amen. And you've got to get it from the head into the heart. And then once it gets into the heart, you're confessing it out of the head and you don't see a whole lot. You don't see a whole lot of supernatural. But when you start confessing it, confessing it out of the heart, when it's made that ching and moved down into the heart, and you speak, your words have heavenly power. You are nothing now but an, uh, 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 an auditor of heaven. You're speaking the auditory of heaven. It's just as though God is speaking. Do you hear what I'm saying? He says, that's why Jesus said, the things you've seen me do, you're going to do the same thing, but greater things are you going to do. He says that you can see that which is not and speak to it as though it be and it become. Because I've given you the creative power. I've given you power, but it has to come from a heart that believes. So with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So when we believe and receive our covenant of righteousness, then confession is made unto salvation, sozo, which means wholeness and healing and, and completeness in every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. So you have the power to release sozo, uh, 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 healing and, and deliverance and, 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 and salvation in every area of your life from a heart that believes. But the heart believes unto righteousness, gets us in the position so that's why I opened up in our prayer. God, help us. We believe. We believe. And if there's anything fighting our unbelief, God, that's what we're praying against. We're praying against every attack of the enemy that's trying to come against our belief, causing unbelief, because we want to be believers. We don't want to be believers in name only. We want to be believers in our high priest. Believers in the covenant that He has written for us. Believers in the precious, sinless blood and powerful blood that He wrote it in. Believers in the better promises that He's just, uh, uh, given to us uh, throughout His Word. And we focus in our covenant on righteousness because Jesus tells us it's premium, it's premier. He tells us in Matthew 6.33 that we are to seek what? First. Seek when? First. Seek how? First. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14 and 17 says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness. So the kingdom of God, when He speaks of the kingdom of God, He's speaking of this power of righteousness. And peace, which it brings in peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So going back to Matthew 6.33, we're to seek first the kingdom of God, which is what? Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So to seek first, let's just uh, get that definition. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And His righteousness. So he's doing a double play, and this is a very a Greek uh, 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 structure to make a point. It's a, it's, it's a way, a literary way of putting it bold-faced, highlighted, underlined, and everything you can. In today's day, it would be text that actually blinks in the, in the subject. It's like it's pointing it out. So for him to say, seek first the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, and his righteousness, he's saying, blink, blink, blink. This is first. This is first. This is first. 
And then all these things will be added unto you. If you get in your position in Christ and your righteousness by faith and you have the authority you're operating out of, the stuff, the houses, the land, the clothes, the food, and all that stuff he's talking about in the earlier verses of Matthew 6, he said all that will be added unto you. Because your position in faith and the covenant of righteousness makes you attractive. It makes the polarity of such that the good things are attracted to you. The better promises being fulfilled are attracted to you. The anointing is attracted to you. The power of the Holy Ghost is attracted to you. So it seems like we should make this very, very premium in our walk and service for the Lord Jesus Christ that we understand and receive and take our position in our covenant of righteousness which is a gift that we receive. Does that make sense? And we've been talking about this for two Sundays in a row, skipping Mother's Day, so we had a little time there, uh, a little break. But today this is part three. And I call it my covenant of righteousness, uh, the benefits. The benefits. Now we began two weeks ago looking at some of the benefits. I'm going to do a quick review because these are the things that are added to you. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and realize that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's all about your position with Christ. He's the one that has provided this righteousness, but you've got to have faith to believe. He's provided healing. He's provided deliverance. He's provided divine prosperity. He's provided a lot of things for you, but if you don't believe it, you won't receive it. That's why you'll go in a church that preaches salvation limited to this. You're going to get saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're going to go to heaven one day when you die. Pity you until you die. But when you die, you got a mansion over the hilltop. you got a place that's grand. you got miracles. It's all wonderful. Pity you until you die. you got to hang on here and try to stay on this ride as long as you can. But it's all in the by, sweet by and by. When that's preached... People have faith to believe for eternal salvation. They reach out and they, and they give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. They go around declaring, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm a child of God. They'll be baptized and, and as an outward witness of what Christ has done in their lives. And they go tell people they're saved. And that's good. There's nothing Thank God for that. And if that was all, that would be enough. But that's not all. That's not all. Then you get a preacher who will come in and start preaching on healing. It says God sent His Word and healed all their diseases. Don't forget your benefits. And part of your benefits is He heals all of our diseases. Jesus rebuked the spirit of iniquity and healed all who came to Him. That Jesus said, what I've done you shall do and even greater work. And Jesus tells us that we'll lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And the Bible tells us by His stripes he, we were healed. Man, we get all of this and they start preaching it and folks say, you know what? You know, I thought the healing days were over, but you know what? I believe God is a healer today. And when they begin to believe and confess, then you start seeing miracles. And you start seeing divine manifests of heaven on earth. You're like, praise God. Then you get, but yet they're healed and they're thanking God for it, but they may be broke, busted, and disgusted. And then you get somebody in there preaching out of the scripture that he was, who he, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting too fast. He who was rich became poor, that we who are poor might be made rich in him, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and that above all things, I pray that you would prosper. That you would prosper, he says, and be in health even as your soul prospers. And we get all these scriptures that, that 
Jesus came and, and took on the sin, uh, took on the curse of poverty in Deuteronomy 28 and 48, that he was hungry, thirsty, and naked, and, and without all things, in need of all things. That was the four points of the curse of poverty. Jesus came, and he was hungry, he was thirsty from the cross, he was naked hanging on the cross, and he didn't even own a place to be buried, a hole in the ground, he was put in a borrowed tomb. Let me tell you what, then we got, wow, he came and he canceled, he did away, he, he put a stamp of, uh, a step over his foot over the spirit of poverty and now will give us divine prosperity. And I'm, when I say divine prosperity, I'm not talking about American greed prosperity. I'm talking about divine prosperity. That more than enough that God gives us to fulfill the purpose and destiny He's called us and to leave our children and our grandchildren, the uh, Bible says, an inheritance, a godly inheritance, and to help those that are in less need around us. That's the divine prosperity I'm talking about of more than enough. And then they preach on that, and guess what? We start getting financial breakthroughs and promotions, and like, wow, this stuff really works. Hallelujah. But let me tell you what. What's been revealed from the Word of God is what we hear, and what we hear we believe. When we believe it and begin to confess it, then from the heart we receive it. Hallelujah. Well, the thing the devil says, and I believe that's why Jesus is telling us premier, premium, first seek the kingdom of righteousness, this kingdom of God and His righteousness is because if we're not, if we don't understand our position in Christ in righteousness, there's a wide open uh, windows and doors in our lives for Satan to come in and bring condemnation. And believe you me, if we operate under condemnation, we don't have the faith to believe to receive anything that God has for us. We can maybe have faith to believe for our eternal salvation that after we die because that's so far off that it really is not really affecting us. But the right now, where the battle right now is, we don't have faith to believe. So the enemy brings his accusation. That's why the Bible says when God so loved the world, he gave his son, only begotten son that whosoever what? Believes. Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Because when we come under the spirit of condemnation, we are basically positioning ourselves Without power, we are powerless. We are not going to be believing and confessing to receive what God has for us. So that's why I believe Jesus says, you've got to seek first my kingdom. And my kingdom is what? Righteousness. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all this other stuff will be added unto you. So let us look at the benefits that come with the covenant of righteousness. And so we're not seeking these benefits. These benefits are going to chase you down. These benefits are going to come to you while you're sleeping. You're going to go to sleep tonight. You're going to wake up in the morning. And you're going to be faced with these benefits. They're going to be there for you. If you go to sleep and wake up in your position of righteousness, this gift that God has given to us in and through the relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, you step out of a relationship with Jesus, you have nothing. So you better pursue him, love him. When he says, I want you to come together and shout and sing and dance and praise me and play instruments, then we come together and we shout and we sing and we praise God because we, we know the relationship with Jesus is key. We love him. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He is doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be glorified. He's worthy to be honored. He's worthy for us to say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, let it ring out. Hallelujah! Praise be unto God. Hallelujah. 
So with this covenant of righteousness, here are the benefits. Let's go through the first seven really fast because this is just catch up. And then we have some several more to add to that before we close. First, he says, uh, with this covenant of righteousness comes uh, an empowerment on your prayers. Your prayers become powerful. You, don't, you stop thinking like, well, if I can get Pastor Tim praying for me, something will happen. Your prayer is just as powerful as my prayer because your prayer is coming out of the same covenant that my prayer is coming out of. Through the same Jesus, through the same blood, by the same name. Hallelujah! He says in 1 Peter 3 and 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let me tell you what, there's New Testament teaching right there that the eyes of God is looking and the ear of God is listening to answer and fulfill and meet the prayers of the righteous. The righteous. Now we know in our own effort we can't be righteous, but we know that what Jesus has provided for us in the covenant of righteousness, that the covenant of righteousness makes us righteous in Christ if we'll receive it, if we'll believe it. Hallelujah. James 5 and 16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayers become powerful. You begin to pray with authority. You don't say, Oh God, if I don't want to, I don't want to bother you, Lord. I just really don't want to trouble you. I know I'm just a pure old worm, a worthless piece of dust, and oh, stop it. You come and say, God, because of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for me, now I give my life for him. And I know that he's brought me into a position of righteousness. And from this covenant, I stand with authority. And I want to thank you. You're not begging God anymore. You're thanking him. I want to thank you, Lord, for the provision for this and this. And now I come against you, devil, in the name of Jesus. I come against your stronghold because now you're in a position of authority. It also assures God's presence and guidance in your life. Psalms 23 and 3, it says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. You can know that, you know, that's one of the, kind of the one of the, I hate to use the word scariest because it's not one of those uh, phobos fear, uh, fear things. It's one of the things we're most concerned about is how we live our lives, what we do with our lives. I know most people I talk to, they, 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 they know they're born with a purpose and they're, they're really cautious or nervous about whether or not they're fulfilling their purpose, if they're going in the right direction. Well, you don't have to live with that kind of uh, sensitivity, if I could say it that way. When you know your position in Christ as the righteousness of God in Christ, you say, I'm taking the step. I made my plans, I'm submitted to you, and you're going to direct my steps. That's what God's Word promises. I make my plans and I could submit them to you, God, and I trust you're going to direct my steps. So you just start stepping. You start stepping, and he's going to direct your steps. Start doing something for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Third thing is it brings stability, and it causes oppression and fear and terror to be far from you. In righteousness, you are established. You are established. That's what we're raising up here at Christian Embassy, some men and women of God who are established. Established in your relationship with Jesus. Established in your relationship with our Heavenly Father. Established in your relationship with the Holy Ghost. Established on the Word of God. Established in your covenant. Your covenant with God, which includes a covenant of righteousness. And he says, then... Uh, far from your oppression. He says, you shall be far from oppression. You shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. Man, when you stand in that kind of authority, the devil backs off. He backs off. And he says, I don't want to mess with a, a man or a woman of righteousness. And I'll tell you in a few minutes why he doesn't want to mess with him. Going on to the next one. He delivers you from trouble. <clears throat> Proverbs 11 and 8. The righteous is delivered from trouble. Is that not the word of God? 
the righteous is delivered from trouble. And it comes to the wicked instead. That's one of the reasons he backs off. Because a boomerang effect begins. When he starts to mess with a man or woman who is standing in their covenant of righteousness, everything the devil throws at you comes back and hits him right between the eyes. Everything he tries to do to destroy you comes and destroys him. Everything he tries to do to get you off path of your purpose comes back and knocks him off path of his purpose. So he learns that I've got to leave the righteous alone. I can't mess with the righteous. Don't you want to get so established and known in the kingdom of darkness that he tells the demons, don't touch that household? Because if you touch that household, it's going to blow up in our face. Now that's what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. Also, it leads to a strong and healthy life. Proverbs eleven nineteen: 19, a righteous leads to life. There's that Hebrew word, meaning you're whole, you're healthy from the marrow to the bone, from the bone to the organs, to the systems, to the skin. Means you're healthy from the inside out. That's that word life in Hebrew. It means one that is whole and strong and exuding strength and health from the marrow out, not from the in, outside in. It's not a topical solution. This is internal. This is from the, where the blood is made of your body, from the cells are made. That, in that sense, there is life as righteousness leads to that life. Hallelujah! You can say, but I've got a problem here. But let me tell you what, you've got righteousness working from the marrow out, and it's going to take care of that problem. Let me tell you what, you're not going to be stuck with that problem the rest of your life. That problem has an internal work of righteousness, of healing and health that is coming and it's going to invade it, it's going to capture it, it's going to dissolve it, it's going to wash it out, it's going to get rid of it, it's going to drop it off of your body. Whatever it has to do, it's going to bring life, that life in your way. And for anybody suffering with anything right now, you need to say, thank you God for the covenant of righteousness. Oh God, do your work from the inside out. Work it in. Work it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 12, 28, he used that same word in Hebrew. In the way of righteousness is life. There's that same word again. And in its pathway, there is no death. Hallelujah. Six, he says, it connects you to the source of God's throne. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. You're not going to be in the nosebleed section with binoculars trying to see what God is doing. You're going to have God in you. Hallelujah. You're, you're part of the very foundation. You're connected to the foundation. When He moves, you hear Him move. When He says, speaks, you hear Him speak. You're not out there far, far off or here and God's far, far away. You're connected to the very foundation of what God is doing, the foundation of where He operates His kingdom from. Praise God. You get it firsthand. The Lord has been speaking to me and I've been praying about it and praying about it and, and I've asked God and I've negotiated with God and tried to give Him some other people that I think would be better at it than me and He's rebuked me and said, you know, it's really not about you and your ability, it's about you surrendering to my ability and letting me work through you and this great house that I've built. So He's talking about Christian embassy. That we are... How many of you remember... Washington for Jesus and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands going to Washington and, and praying for our nation. How many of you remember promise keepers? I think it was mainly for men and them keeping the promises to be pure with their wives and, 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 and raise their children in the love and admonition of God and serve God. Well, what God has been laying on my heart so hard is that we are to start a national and international uh, ministry and movement. It's a movement of covenant keepers. 
And this is going to be a teaching on the covenants of God, the covenant and the covenants of God that's been provided in Christ. And then having a Gideon's army under our covenant keepers, which would be our men. And we'll have a Deborah's army under our women's side. And instead of it being separated as promise keepers and just the men, that, that we do this together. That we do it together. We have our separate tracks of, 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 of ministering, but we have these national conventions and these regional conventions and these international conventions of covenant keepers coming together uh, uh, around the nations and around the world. And God says, its base is to come out of Christian embassy. And I'm like, wow, God. And there again, I tried to negotiate with him, but he says, I see, I see beyond your sight. I said, yes, you do. He says, well, let me do my, bid, my bidding through you. And I said, Lord, I surrender this house. I surrender it to you. Th these people, Lord, we're yours. Can, am I okay in saying that? Lord, we're yours. So you hear it here today first that Covenant Keepers International Ministry is going to come up out of this house. And, and, and Pastor Rodica was prophesying in the first service and she was just prophesying. She didn't even realize it. I mean, I'm even talking to her and all the details of stuff. But she's up here saying with this dedication that is coming up in just two days or two weeks and this Pentecost Sunday. And she says, I just sense the Spirit of the Lord saying we're going to another level. We're going to a whole new level of reaching the world for Jesus Christ and getting the world freed up and getting the power of God working in and through people's lives. Let me tell you what, there's going to be healing around the world like we've never seen before. There's going to be deliverance around the world like we've never seen before. There's going to be a transfer of the wealth of the wicked coming into the household of the righteous because the righteous is going to cut on their uh, attractant, you might would say, and all this stuff is start going to chasing us down. The blessing and the favor of God is going to start chasing us down and we're going to be able to fund this international ministry and movement that God has called us to do. And here we are at the very beginning of it saying, thank you God for your covenant of righteousness. Here we are at your foundation connected to go forth. Number seven, we see that with the covenant of righteousness, it, one of the benefits is it brings much wealth. Much wealth, this reward on earth. Proverbs 15 and 6 says, In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Proverbs 10.3, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, which means suffer lack or desire, but He cast away the desire of the wicked. Let me tell you what, there's a lot of people that think that the money is evil, but I'm telling you, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. We need this resource. If it was cattle, then we'd be working with cattle. If it was wheat and grain, then we'd be working with wheat and grain. But in this day and age, it's money. And we, we, we can use money for the advancement of the kingdom of God like never before. And God wants you to get ready to receive it. He wants you to... And some people say, well, I'm, I'm happy at living at $50,000. There's nothing wrong with that. Be content with that. But why not believe God for another $50,000 that you can't help expand the kingdom of God? There's others say, I, I'm happy at $200,000. That's a, a, a good place for me. Well, you know what? It's not all about you. Be happy at your $200,000, but why not believe God for $400,000 that you could give $200,000 into the kingdom of God? What's wrong? Do we not want to challenge our faith? You say, well, I'm happy at a million. I'm happy at a billion. Why not believe God for $5 billion that you can't give $4 billion for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Secular society is doing this and they're advancing their agenda and they're advancing their program and they're advancing what the enemy of darkness is telling them to do when is the church going to get the mind and the understanding that we've got to come we have the authority we are the heads and not the tail above only and not beneath but we don't understand our covenant position 
And we, we got this limited mindset. Well, Covenant Keepers is going to bring the truth. We're going to rip the veil down. We're going to open the locked doors. And we're going to expose the Word of God to everybody that we possibly can. Hallelujah. Here's another benefit is it brings protection. Some people say, oh, don't want to step out with no international ministry like this. Man, this is going to be a make the devil really mad. Do you think I care? Do you think I care? Oh, but the devil can do... No, he can't. If Jesus gave us all authority over all the power of the enemy and he is under our feet, then we need to step up in our position of authority. The whole problem is we've been sitting back letting him do what he wants to do. He's supposed to be under our feet. We need to stand on our covenant of righteousness and say, wait a minute. My covenant of righteousness says righteousness guards me. It guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Now, my way is blameless because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to Father by, but by him. He's become my way. He has become my way. His righteousness, his righteousness is my righteousness. It's a gift, and I believe and receive it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Also, number nine, it brings favor. Psalms 512. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Stop apologizing for favor. I was talking to someone recently who got favored with a, a, a nicer vehicle. They went from one that they had to have AAA follow them around. <laughs> Seriously. Now they got a newer vehicle and they start telling me, well, I got it at a good deal. And I got this, and I got that, and I got this, and somebody blessed me with this. And it was like they were making an excuse that they had a vehicle that no longer broke down on them. And I'm like, why do we do that? Now, I'm not talking about there was no spirit of pride saying, look what I got, it makes me better, because let me tell you what, I've seen jerks drive around in Mercedes Benz, and I've seen righteous men and women of God drive around in Mercedes Benz. It had nothing to do with the car. It had to do with who was behind the steering wheel, right? And I've seen people worship vehicles, but I've seen people use vehicles as a tool, a good tool, a safe tool to do what God's called them to do. So it's not the vehicle. And I told them, you don't have to apologize for the favor of God. That you should thank God. Say, thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. It's not about a car. It's not about clothes. It's not about a house. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just if God wants to bless you, and he does, and it's not just you and not you, it's everyone. Everyone. But he's made it that the righteous is what attracts that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all this stuff is then added unto you. Hallelujah. It will make you generous. It will make you generous. Proverbs 21, 26b says, The righteous gives and does not spare. Why does it make you generous? If God told me right now to write out every dime in my bank account, and He's done that on many occasions in my life, and give it into the kingdom of God. Every time I've obeyed Him, and every time I've done it, it's always been a bigger number, a greater number, because it just, it's just like he's marked. You thought giving that $7,000 was going to break you for life. Now you're able to give $27,000, and you're still going. You was able to give $50,000. Did that hurt you? you was able, I'm telling you, when you understand that God is your provider,
That God is your source. That God can move upon the hearts of men and kings and, 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 and leaders and whatever He needs to do to make His will take... Let me tell you what. God is good. And when you understand that, that he, if he watches the bird and not one falls from the sky, he doesn't take note of, not one hair falls from your head that he's not taking note of. How much more does he care for you? He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. If you give, he says, I'll come back to you, press down, shaking together, good measure, running over. He says, I set a law that if you give, it's coming back, press down, coming back, good measure, coming back, shaking together, coming back, running over. It's a law of reciprocity. He said, I said it. Just like there's a law of gravity, I've got a law of reciprocity. So if you give, don't you worry. If you're giving, Giving in faith. If you're giving for fame, that's a different story. If you're giving for right to make yourself righteous, that's another story. But if you're giving in faith, let me tell you why. You don't have nothing to worry about. It also positions you to see your enemies fall. Praise God. Proverbs 29, 16, When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Let me tell you what. The enemy stops wanting to mess with you. He starts getting more strategic, uh, but all the, the gnats of the demonic gnats that are buzzing around trying to... to they, 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 they leave. They leave because there's a power that is swatting them. There's a power that is raid, that is spraying them. They, they're destroyed. They're destroyed. They fall, the Bible says, when they come against the righteous. Hallelujah. And let me tell you what, you can rejoice in the fact that as you walk in this covenant of righteousness, that you can walk with authority and not fear the devil, not fear a demon, not fear a shadow of hell, it, because it has no power over you. Hallelujah. And that brings us number 12. It vindicates you before your enemies. Your enemies got to now watch you be vindicated, watch you be promoted. They got to watch you go to the next level. They came in and stole $10, and now God's given you $10,000. They got to watch it. God's holding their face to it and saying, now watch this. Watch this. They're not even able to turn away. They got to watch it, the Bible says, as God vindicates you. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then it brings peace. Isaiah 32, 17, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. That word peace is shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing. That, you go to sleep with something broken, something missing, you can know that this may be the very morning I wake up because I'm a child of God going to sleep in righteousness. Lord, I thank you for the righteousness that you provided for me and then through your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I'm in right relationship with you. I love you. I serve you. You're my Lord. And you can wake up knowing shalom is on its way. There's peace on its way where there's nothing broken and there's nothing missing. And the, the way shalom works is it will find a place that was broken and make it stronger than before. So there's a testimony that what the devil meant for evil got turned for good. So if there's a broken place in you, you can rejoice right now. It's going to be stronger. It's going to be stronger. Hallelujah! Because of the shalom of God which then finally ushers in joy into your life. My, my transgression an evil man is snared but the righteous sings and rejoices. I can go around judging a tree by its fruit. Pastor, you're not supposed to judge. The Bible says I can judge a tree by its fruit. So if I go up there and there's an apple on that, I can say that's an apple tree. 
If I go up there and there's an orange there, I can say, that's an orange tree. If I come up to your life and there's joy, rejoicing and there's singing, do you see that? I can say, there's a covenant of righteousness here. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? We can measure ourselves as to how much we believe in the covenant of righteousness, which will now show forth fruit. And if the fruit is not joy and song, then there's something wrong. We don't quite get it yet. There's more that we need to delve into. We should be the most joyous people on planet Earth. There should be a glow about us that if we walk into Walmart at 2 in the morning and half of the people in there in their pajamas and they're crazy, half nuts in their head, but they'll see such a halo of the glory of God on us that they're drawn to you. And they say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's just something about you. And you can sing of the praises of God to them and let them know about the goodness of our God that will lift them up out of their bondages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help us, God, awake to righteousness. Help us, God, to awake to righteousness. To get an understanding of our covenant of righteousness so that we can soar like the eagle like You've called us to do. And this covenant of righteousness only comes in and through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Where are you at today? Is He just a religious figure that's giving you a get-out-of-hell card? It's got to be more than that. Is He the one that's watching you to see any imperfections in your life and to point them out? The devil is a liar. Or is He the Savior of the world that came to you while you were broken, while you were unrighteous, while you were bound, while you were blind, and He came to you because you couldn't come to Him. And now He wants to take you into all that He's provided and prepared. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it a religious thing? Don't count. Is it something you inherited from your parents? Don't count. Is it something that was, came by birth order because you were born in the great United States of America? Don't count. Don't count. Don't count. It comes when you place your faith and surrender your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords personally. And He's here right now by His Spirit. And He knows the condition of your heart and He knows what's going on in your mind and in your life. And He's not asking you to fix any of that. He's not asking you to make right any of that because He says as hard as you would work, it would still be in vain. What He's saying is that you'll humble yourself and surrender your life to Me and receive the gift that I've given unto you. The gift of righteousness and the gift of eternal life and all the gifts if you just receive them from me through this relationship where are you at it's time if you play in church it's time to stop playing church if you're caught up in a religious routine it's time to get out of the religious routine and if you're caught up in a lie of work right works righteousness it's time you dispel the lie and embrace your righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Where are you at? I can't do this for you. I can lead you to the place of decision. But the decision is up to you. Where are you at?